0: Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life your podcast that is dedicated to exploring the depths of mental health raising awareness and sharing stories of resilience and healing I'm your host Avik and in each episode we embark on our journey of understanding of and growth striving to create a more compassionate and informed world. So today, we have a remarkable guest joining us. Her name is Amanda, and she brings a wealth of knowledge, experience, and a passion to the field of mental health. So Amanda is committed to making a difference in the lives of others, and we are just honored to have her on our show. So also just to mention when uh, Amanda finally managed to get away from uh, the man was trafficking her. So that's the story. That's the uh, reason behind why she's here today. And she was 31 years old and didn't know what she did gone through, even had a name, much less. How to deal with the pain of feeling like a broken person, unworthy of love and filled with so much anger. On a freezing cold day in 2018, she was former trafficked people, standing strong and showing their beautiful resiliency on a stage at an anti-trafficking event. At that moment, she finally knew what her purpose in life would be. Since then, Amanda has spoken on a multitude of stages, been interviewed by a Chicago Tribune, sold her art all over the country, been a keynote speaker at international summits, loaned her voice to multiple radio programs, and published over a dozen books. She also launched two podcasts, one that focuses on interviewing Other authors on trauma and the other that discusses the long term consequences of trauma and how to fight back for a better life. She is a trauma recovery mentor, professional artist, accomplished public speaker, and a charity campaigns manager for MMA legend Frank Shamrock through shamrockway.org. Amanda lives in Denver and supported and also her rescue cats and supported husband who gave her sane same. So, Amanda, thank you for joining us on Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. We are definitely grateful for your presence and excited to learn from your experience. And welcome to the show. How are you? Today? Thank
1: you very much. I am very happy to be here. Thank you. This is exciting for me. <laughs>
0: Great, great. So Amanda, like uh, knowing about your past and uh, also understanding about what you are currently doing, you are trying to make the world a better better life, uh, make people feel uh, the world uh, in a good shape. So with that, uh, I have a few things to like ask you, I have a few things in my mind to check with you. So can you share with us the definition of post-traumatic stress disorder, which we also call PTSD, and the common symptoms individuals may experience? So how does it impact a person's mental health and overall well-being?
1: Well, when you're talking about PTSD and basically any kind of uh, severe trauma, there's five basic stages of the trauma. They mirror the stages of grief, and that is not without reason. So the basic stages of trauma are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. That's exactly the same stages that people tend to go through when they're going through grief. This is because when we experience trauma, we have to spend time grieving for whatever life we might have had. That's gone now. And that can be a really difficult thing to wrap our heads around. But our life is altered. And in so many ways, who we are as a human has altered too. And that's where the PTSD comes in. So post-traumatic stress disorder is a mental health condition that some people, not everyone, develops after experiencing or witnessing a traumatic event. And this can be combat, a natural disaster, a car accident, sexual assault, trafficking, such as myself. And all of those things can cause PTSD. And even that's not even a comprehensive list of everything that it can be too. So events that make us feel isolated and overwhelmed, these are the things that have the potential to cause trauma. I've seen more than a few articles that list the 20 symptoms of trauma or PTSD or the five symptoms of PTSD. And every time I see them, I feel frustrated and irritated Because summing up the emotional and physical responses that someone goes through with such a small number is not only careless, but incorrect and disrespectful in a lot of ways to these trauma survivors. There's literally hundreds of different reactions that our brain and body might develop as a result of PTSD. There's even different categories that many of those symptoms can fall into, like physical, mental Autonomical, emotional, all of these different categories, and even the categories have categories. I've personally compiled a list of over 50 different trauma responses, and I'm not going to go into details on all of them, of course, but all of these different trauma responses, a lot of them overlap one another. All of them can be present in a single person, and all of it can happen from a single traumatic event.
0: True, definitely true. Like, and I can also understand the situation uh, about the like how it uh, like gonna affect someone's uh, brain, someone's uh, also affect about their attitude, also affect about the in- emotional uh, factor. So, from there, like drawing from uh, your expertise and experiences. So what are some uh, effective strategies or the approaches you would suggest for individuals uh, on their journey to heal from PTSD?
1: For me personally, at first, I didn't want to trust therapist. I had a very bad experience with a therapist when I was a 15 year old kid, but eventually I did find a therapist that I felt like I could trust. And then I traumatized the therapist because the therapist wasn't ready and prepared to hear my story. So I had to go out therapist shopping for a while. And one of the biggest things that I think people need to understand is that that is perfectly okay. It's a normal thing to do. You're not always going to get along with the random person that you meet in the grocery store. Why are you going to suddenly think that you're going to get along with the first therapist that you're going to meet? You have to find somebody that you get along with and you trust and you're comfortable with. It's very important. And while it might seem perfectly normal to walk away from a pair of jeans that no longer fit us, they serve no purpose in our lives, it's much less common for us to walk away from ways of thinking that no longer serve a purpose in our lives. That uh, sense of loyalty to the first therapist you meet is definitely an older Uh, way of thinking that you know you only get this one math teacher you're gonna have to put up and cope with this one math teacher the whole time you were in in school this year so in your brain your brain is telling you you're stuck with what you got and that's not the case with a therapist now if something or some some vice has outlived its potential It's okay to let it go. It doesn't matter how much purpose it has served in your life. Mm -hmm. It's all right to let it go. Another huge thing that really helped me was writing. Um, Mm -hmm. When I first started trying to figure out the psychology between what had happened to me and where I was in life and the patterns that had existed, I started by writing. I started out writing just brief journals to myself talking about what am I currently feeling and why am I feeling this way? And is there anything in my past that this reminds me of? Doing that helped me to discover the patterns in my life of my own behavior and how to start addressing those things. It was a huge help to me. When I got through with the therapy with my fin- my last therapist, who was absolutely amazing, she asked me if I'd ever tried painting. And I told her, I said, I have I don't know how to paint. I've never painted before in my life. This was January of 2021. Wow. And this is only two years later. And now my art has sold all over the country. My first work of art, my first painting sold three months after she told me to start painting. You never know what it is that's going to dig deep into your soul and to drag all of this stuff out of you. And it can be absolutely dark and terrifying and it can be really beautiful too. True, and it's
0: also very. I would say uh, not a coincidence. Uh, I would say like uh, it's it's also uh, a good belief for someone. Like you should also come across to a person who actually can help you, can actually guide you better. It's it's also something. uh, It's not about a coincidence. It it happens. It happens, and uh, it's it's good for good for life. So um, yes, and. So like it's it's also about the mental health. So mental health awareness is crucial in creating a uh, like supportive and understanding environment for those dealing with PTSD. So how can an individual and uh, maybe the communities um, contribute to raising the awareness and also breaking the stigma surrounding mental health? What do you suggest?
1: I tell people all the time that I've never met a therapist without a therapist, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny on the surface, but at the same time, the people that work in that specific industry, they understand the benefits of having somebody to talk to about the hard stuff with, or without having any kind of a mental illness to discuss. You know, I was having a discussion about suicide with a podcast guest of mine the other day, and we were talking about how often it's said that when someone mentions suicide out loud, it means that they're, seeking attention and not looking to follow through with their suicidal threats and not only is that wrong but she aptly addressed this by saying that the word attention shouldn't be applied in these situations at all what if they are looking for attention clearly the thought of suicide crossed their mind if they're going to be mentioning it at all now we as humans were hardwired to seek out companionship from other people of course, it's important that there's healthy relationships and there's healthy boundaries. But if somebody seems like they might be seeking attention, guess what? It's not because they're seeking it. It's because they need it. Yeah. Now, some ways that individuals and communities can contribute to raising the awareness is to educate themselves and others. Now, there's a lot of information these days, most of it available on our fingertips if we just pick up our cell phones. I left mine in the other room. Um <laughs> But we've got books we can read, articles, websites, whatever you can find. You want to also take the opportunity to talk to mental health professionals, whether you've got a mental illness or not, you are likely going to come across somebody in your life who does, and they're going to need that support. And while you don't have to be a therapist to be able to support them, it's important to understand that if you or somebody you know is suffering, you need to be able to find that network of people. Time and time again, I talk to these trauma survivors and they say the thing that got them through was their support network, the people in their lives, their family, their friends, their loved ones. It's so important that we also talk about this kind of stuff, too. The more we talk about it, the less stigmatized mental health will become.
0: Definitely. I agree with you. Definitely. So like, uh, like the, the trauma, the trauma. Informed care is an uh, kind of essential aspect of supporting the individuals with PTSD. So, uh, can you explain like what it means to provide trauma informed care and uh, it, its significance, like in promoting the healing and the resilience? So, in any connection between uh, the two.
1: So, I mentioned earlier that I had gone through a therapist hmm. that I kind of traumatized. Yeah. Um. She was pretty new to the industry, and I think I scared the crap out of her. Um, <laughs> she was not ready. She was not trauma informed. She was so new to the industry. She just wasn't prepared to have my levels of trauma thrown at her like a pie in the face. <laughs> She'd had no that way
0: means, that means uh, in that case you're saying uh, you could have given her the advice rather he could have she could have given him the advice this really- right,
1: exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So as part of trauma informed care, uh, there's a set of principles. Now, in those principles, um, it, it's it's widely talked about that ca- trauma is a common experience. Millions of people experience trauma every year. There's something like 60% of all women here in the U.S. have experienced some kind of a major trauma and have talked about it. The number for men is significantly less. And that's not because men are experiencing less trauma. It's because men are less likely to talk about it because of the stigmatization. Uh, okay, Understanding... Uh, The trauma-informed care, uh, trauma can have a lasting impact on individuals and on communities. It can affect people's physical, emotional, and mental health, and it can impact a person's relationships at work, at school, um, in their home life. Understanding that trauma-informed care is a way of thinking about responding to the needs of the people who've experienced trauma doesn't mean that you have to step on eggshells at all times to be around them, but to understand them and to talk to them and to figure out what their trigger points are so that you can try to help either avoid them or you can help to guide them through them when they happen. Okay.
0: That's cool. Yeah. So, uh... Okay, so my next thing uh, coming to you, is like building resilience is often an important part of the recovery process. So most of us have uh, heard about it. So what are some practical ways that individuals uh, can cultivate resilience and uh, develop coping mechanisms when dealing with the effects of trauma and PTSD?
1: Probably the biggest one that I always tell people is to find someone that you can talk to that you trust. You yeah. want to make sure that that person is appropriate. Of course, if you're a 14 year old kid, you don't want to be seeking out uh, an adult that you're not familiar with. It's not a part of your family network to talk to them about traumas, because that can be a very bad sign. Um, I always tell people to write out a list of names. The, write this list and then the pros and then the cons. Write down what the good things are that would come from talking to this person and also write down the bad things that could happen too and start to analyze this list. Figure out who your safe people are going to be that you can open up to. If you don't have one of those people in your life or if you need help beyond those people in your life, get professional help. Talk to a therapist, a counselor, You also want to make sure that you're getting enough sleep, you're eating healthy foods, and you're exercising regularly because your physical health is very directly tied to your mental health. You want to avoid your triggers if you can. Find a support group. There are support groups all over the place. If you can't find one in your local neighborhood, see if you can branch out into a nearby town or a city. Uh, Or there are a bunch of different support groups on the internet. I would just make sure that if you draw in a support group on the internet, make sure it is run by somebody who is licensed to do so and not just um, the the other trauma survivors running it, because that's not a good situation to be in. And be patient with yourself you know it's super important a lot of people don't realize that so much self blame exists within trauma and always does and always will be patient with yourself forgive yourself and understand that this is going to be a journey not a sprint true, true.
0: exactly so uh, like uh, I, I also i also understand that uh, people somehow do not uh, realize that uh, there are a lot of uh, resources there are a lot of uh, free resources even uh, available uh, uh, globally uh, and even uh, the the, uh, the negative part is which i feel like when people uh pass through ptsd uh and maybe the trauma. so in that case people becomes too much uh sensitive they do not open up uh they do not come up to any open communication or even they uh, do not find people uh, who can actually help them. So I guess the people should also open up. Uh, like this is not this is not something uh, bad to them, and it is it is nothing uh, a criminal thing. So you should uh, definitely open up about these things and uh, discuss with someone who, who can actually help you or whom you can trust. So rather than uh, keeping things uh, inside you and uh, making it a big blast. So uh, I think it's a very sensitive thing for uh, few people or maybe the most other people, I don't know. But uh, I-, I wanted to ask you also, like, what do you feel like? Uh, have, you, have you faced this kind of scenarios? Have you seen people like this who are very sensitive to these cases and do not open up on these things?
1: I've seen it many times. Uh, one of the reasons that my podcast is audio only is because when people are coming through the process of learning how to talk about their own experiences, one of the natural uh, reactions is to hide from it. You know, I, I talked in the very beginning about the five stages of trauma. The first one being denial. You know. Yeah you're still trying to figure out how to navigate your trauma while wanting to make sure that you're not giving it grounds to kind of take over. When you're going through the process of learning how to open up, you can do what I call trauma vomiting, Mm -hmm. uh, where you tell so much of your trauma, you share so many details that the people around you don't know how to handle it. They close themselves down. And then that person feels like I can't talk about this. I can't tell them about this because I'm just making things bad for them. And then they blame themselves for all of this. There are healthy ways to learn how to be able to talk about traumas. It's important to do the research and to figure those out. But it's also really important to uh, research and understand what your trauma reactions are, because understanding that can start to Uh, turn a few of the cogs in your own brain to where you start understanding how other people are reacting to you also.
0: Correct. Exactly. So uh, there are support networks as well and the community as well that play a significant role in uh, people's or the individual's healing journey. So how can uh, friends, family, and uh, communities provide meaningful support and create safe spaces for individual living with PTSD?
1: I'm actually currently working on writing a book on how to support survivors. Uh, There are so many wonderful people out there who have loved ones suffering from PTSD. And these people are in their lives daily, weekly, once in a while, it doesn't matter. If they touch your life in any way, that's a person that's in your life that's suffering. Of course, anyone can provide meaningful support And create safe spaces for these individuals that are suffering with PTSD. But it's incredibly important that the people that are closest to the person make those first efforts. Establish the groundwork for this person. Now, be patient and understanding with them. You know, understand that what they've been through is traumatic. And unless you went through it with them, you're never going to fully understand what it is that this person has experienced. Listen without judgment. When they do start to open up, some of the stuff might be really tough to hear, Mm -hmm. but they need to get it out and they've kicked you as hard as that might be. And if you need to find a therapist or a counselor or another friend to be able to speak with about this stuff that you're now having to experience because you've been chosen as their safe person, it's okay to do that too. Please, please, please respect the privacy of the person who has come to you. So don't be going to their friends and telling them, oh, guess what John told me about last week? You know, that's not helpful. Find a therapist or counselor first. Encourage them to seek professional help too. If you feel like you've found a great therapist or a counselor that you feel like you can talk to, see if they want to go with you to one of your meetings, it might be a great way to kind of introduce them to the idea of the, the, the help and to understand that this stigma is completely wrong and going to a therapist is not what it used to be described as going to a head shrinker. It doesn't mean that you're broken and unfixable and it doesn't mean that you belong in an insane asylum. It just means that you're going through some stuff and you need somebody to talk to. Always be respectful of their boundaries. If they have been able to put up healthy boundaries, it's so important to make sure that you recognize those things too. People with PTSD can be really vulnerable and scared. And if we respect their boundaries, then they're gonna be more comfortable with talking to us about things and spending time with us and kind of building up that relationship. You know, if we're not respectful of those boundaries, they're gonna bolt away from us as fast as they can. Yeah, And find ways to work with them to find healthy coping mechanisms too. There's a lot of different things that people can do. We talked about going to therapy, uh, but also writing, journaling, doing artwork, sit down with a trauma survivor sometime and do artwork with them. You'd be amazed at the kind of stuff that they can come up with if they're just given a little bit of creative freedom.
0: True. So uh, with this thing, uh, something came into my mind just right now, like uh, when you mentioned about when uh, people with PTSD creates their own boundary and um, they, they definitely, they have some fear in their mind um, somehow and they do not want to open up. They have created the boundary. We should definitely respect um, their boundaries and obviously they respect them. But Thing uh, which actually came into my mind right now is uh, we have uh, we have definitely heard about uh, the song which is uh, the most lovable song, "One Love," I guess, right? We we all have heard. So it, there's there's a line it says, and I I believe it's all. Uh, it's it's not about any copyright or something. It's there is no promotion and I'm happening. But I thing, one line which actually uh, I feel somehow it's connected that one love we all need, right? There is a line. So some so I I feel like they need your love. They need uh, someone who actually can take care of, at least understand what they are going through, what they are feeling. So um, yes, one love we all need. So that's uh, that's the thing which just came into my mind, and uh, yeah, and it's it, it's good. It goes. We, we we should always support them. We should always understand them at least. So that that is what they need. Nothing more than that. So right. yeah. So also like in your work, like you have interacted with. Uh, trauma survivors right so can you share a success story or maybe an example of someone who has overcome the PTSD and made a significant progress in their mental health
1: i have talked to so many people that over the last year i've I I interview people once a week for my own podcast that are trauma survivors that have written about their own experiences. The first one that comes to mind is a uh, young man by the name of Dai Manuel, D-A-I Manuel. Um, He went through some traumas when he was young and it caused obesity when he was a teenager. He dealt with suicidal thoughts, social anxiety. He had a lot of mental and physical challenges, uh, when he was quite young, he had um, a chronic immune, autoimmune disease. And the hematologist suggests that he live in a bubble. Um, later on, he turned to alcohol and drugs, trying to cope with everything that he had been through already. One day, he was sitting down at a table with his wife, and they were amicably discussing what their divorce would look like and the custody of their two children. They had two little girls. Okay. He said it was a heartbreaking moment. And he thought that was rock bottom. But what was really rock bottom was when his wife looked at him and said, are you the kind of man that you would want your daughters to marry? Now the man is a personal trainer. He is a leader of an AA group and he has done TED talks. He's written several books. He's got one that's really phenomenal about his own recovery. I mean, these people are flourishing and it's so beautiful to see this. I had a talk with a woman earlier today who grew up in an abusive household and then turned to uh, abusive and alcoholic uh, love interests in her life. And she wanted to understand why is this happening? Why am I following these same patterns and going for these same people again and again and again? So she became a therapist. And now this is what she does for a living is she helps other people to understand what makes them tick and why they repeat these patterns and how to break them
0: oh that's that's really a lovely story i would say i wouldn't say it's a story it's a real life uh, happenings and definitely it sounds really better when we uh, hear this kind of changes this kind of uh, good examples actually heals so yes like also as uh, we discuss about awareness raising the awareness so What do you believe, like, are the most important messages or maybe the information that society needs to understand about PTSD and
1: mental health? The first one is that uh, PTSD is not just a mental health uh, illness. It's also a brain injury. It has rewired our brains and fundamentally changed who we are as people. The people we would have been are gone. They will never be that person ever again. It's also important to understand that trauma is not a competition. No trauma is better or worse than anyone else's because it is a lived experience. This is something that you have gone through and it has changed who you are. It's not going to change the guy down the road or the neighbor or your sister or their brother's friend. You know, it changes who you are. And trauma in that way should never be looked at as, oh, what I went through doesn't compare to what you, you went through. It has nothing to do with what somebody else went through. It has everything to do with what you went through and what you need to focus on healing from. It is not a destination. It is not a competition. And mental illness should be addressed and taken care of. There is so much help available now that wasn't available even 20 years ago, you know, Imagine what mental health was 100 years ago and think of where we are now. A lot of those same stigmas still exist when the practice has changed so much. And it's time for those stigmas to become just as um, uh, offloaded as the old practices of putting people in mental asylums and forgetting they existed. We don't do that anymore.
0: Correct and and uh, with this only like how can we foster a more compassionate and supportive society uh, like for those who are affected by the ptsd
1: i think that a lot of people need to not only do the research and to read more books and listen to more podcasts like yours on what ptsd and mental illness looks like but work with those people Go and and donate your time to a homeless shelter. You know, they have so many volunteers and homeless shelters on Thanksgiving Day that they have to turn people away. You know, when they don't have them every other day of the year, it's important to get in there, work with these people, get to know these people and understand that they're not that scary. They're just people. And the ones that are scary need help even more.
0: Definitely, and that's a good suggestion. I would say, like, uh, they can actually. So Thanksgiving is the period, like, when uh, we can actually look for those things, and it's 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 a it's a good thing. It's a, a good thing for the humanity. So uh, yeah, why not to uh, try this? Definitely. So so and 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 that uh, actually concludes. Another eye-opening episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life today. So, uh, like, I would like to extend the heartfelt gratitude to you, Amanda, for sharing your invaluable insights on, like, unraveling the journey to healing and overcoming PTSD, also about nurturing the mental health and raising awareness so, uh, like Amanda, like your passion, uh, expertise, and dedication to mental health advocacy have truly left an incredible, I, I would say an impact because your wisdom and compassionate approach to trauma informed care have uh, really shed the light on the path to recovery and inspired all of us, all of us, to continue fostering a more empathetic and supportive society. So before we wrap up, like, uh, is there any final message or advice uh, you would like to share uh, with our listeners, like, especially those who may be facing uh, their own challenges with PTSD or uh, navigating their mental health journey?
1: I run into people all the time who think they are too far broken to ever be fixed. And I I want to address that. And I want to address that as often as I possibly can. I thought I was one of those people. I thought I was beyond healing and beyond being fixed and beyond being loved. It's never too late. You can find the help that you need. You can go down this journey, no matter how difficult it might be. And you can find a pathway to not only loving yourself, but being open to having a healthy, happy relationship later on. About a month after my autobiography was published in 2021 is when I met my husband. I've never had a more functional, happy, loving relationship in my life. None of it would have been possible without that healing that I had to do first.
0: That that's great to hear, Amanda. Say. Like, thank you, thank you, Amanda, for those empowering words. And to all listeners, we hope that this episode has provided you with valuable insights and shed light on the importance of unraveling the journey to healing, overcoming PTSD, and nurturing mental health, and obviously, its awareness. So, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, for the future episodes, definitely we encourage you to reach out to us through our website or social media platforms. We are here to support you and continue the conversation. Always remember that your mental health matters and by nurturing our own well-being and advocating for mental health awareness, we can make a positive impact on our lives and those around you. So, thank you for tuning in Healthy Mind, and Healthy Life podcast. Take care, be kind to yourself and others definitely. And join us for the next time as we explore more fascinating topics related to mental health and personal growth. Until then, stay resilient and continue on your journey of healing. Thank you. And thank you, Amanda, for joining the show and making it a success.
1: Thank you very much for having me.